We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All systems are good. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van All right, my friends, welcome back to another audio adventure on Insight. Yes, sir, I'm CVV, Chris Van Fleet. Hope all is well in your world. Thank you for joining us in this one. If you listen to the show a lot, you know that something we talk about with different guests of all walks of life, actors, athletes, comedians, wrestlers, we talk about passion and waking up every day excited to get to go to work, not to have to go to work, to get to go to work. And I fully understand that maybe that can't be the case for everybody. But what if you could make a little extra money on the side doing something you enjoy with a side hustle? That's where today's guest, Travis King, comes into the picture. I mean, in a nutshell, he didn't like his corporate job. He didn't like being stuck in that rat race. So he found a side hustle that eventually has become his main hustle, his main job, and he wants to help other people do the same thing. So when you're done with this episode, go check out his website, TravisKing.com, to find out even more information about him. But before we dive into this, Goofy Fernandez 200, you're awesome. Thank you for leaving this review on Apple Podcasts. It says, Beast, Chris Van Vliet, Chris, Chris Van Vliet, the mecca of interviews. Thank you so much for the kind words. And I, yeah, you didn't say it, but I assumed you wrote it like the theme to the elite. Chris Van Vliet, Chris, Chris Van Vliet. So thank you for that. I'll keep reading one review out on every single episode. It's my way to say thank you for being on this journey with me. We're at like almost 2,600 reviews on Apple Podcasts, more than 1,100 ratings on Spotify. So you guys are awesome. Appreciate you. Let's dive into this. Please welcome Travis King. Travis, your shirt, it's out of office. Is that what this says? Out of office. Yep. So fitting. It's so it's so fitting for a lot of what we're going to be talking about here today because Look, I think there's a lot of people who uh, are in these jobs that are office jobs, and I feel like they see no end. And they're like, man, I wish there was something I could do every day that I either liked or that was just kind of happening on the side and was making me money. And uh, I think that you're the perfect person to talk to about this. Yeah, I have been there and I've, I have, um, you know, I think the, the office watching the show, the office, right? That was one of those things that got me by. So like, that's the irony there of like sitting at work, watching the office to get through the day you know, at the office, right at your desk. So yeah, I would agree. There's, there's probably like a, 
uh, a massive uh, amount of listeners that are that are either unfulfilled or unengaged at their current nine to five, right? Yeah, there's something about office culture that I just feel like, uh, I don't know, there's something and the office hits on it really well. But there's something that just makes it like, ugh, do I really have to go in today? Oh, it's so archaic and so antiquated. Like I used to laugh, like how I just felt like management's like metric for a good employee was like time spent at the desk, you know, like not output or not production, but like <laughs> Who gets here the earliest and who stays the longest? Not anything to do with who produces the mo- the most, right? So yeah, I I could we could spend the whole episode like bashing bashing like the, the you know the <laughs> the traditional nine to five, but I think I also have a pretty strong bias from having to put in you know uh, being in the workforce or the corporate world for a, a decade and a half, right? Prior to escaping, so yeah, I've got a lot to say about that. Yeah, before you uh, escaped, as you call it, what what were you doing? Yeah. So um, I, you know, so I started college with little to no direction. So what do you do, right? When you have no direction out of high school, it's it's either military or it's college and, you know, figure it out. Well, I, I, you know, snuck in my four or five years of fun and a, a semester and a half of college, right? And, <laughs> and still had, so, so I enjoyed all the social aspects of college, but had no clue where I was going, you know, with it, like as far as, um, profession or degree and really was like just impatient you know like just kind of wanted to get out there and take on the world and start doing things you know not learning right um if i had a lot of clarity on what i wanted to be i think it would have felt different right but because of that it just more felt like this like holding pattern of like all right like i'm just here because i don't know what i want to do next well, it's such a weird thing, you know, you're 17 or 18 years old and you're kind of tasked with answering the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And you're still in high school when you're picking your college major and you're you know, applying for schools and you're like, I don't know, like this seemed interesting to me. I'll chase after that. So what did you end up studying? Yeah, so I was actually studying physical therapy is what I was interested in and and then pharma- pharmacy, right? Pharmaceutical. And so as I'm saying, again, this is my first year, right? So it's not like I'm, I'm deep into this, but at the same time, as I, the thought of like, I, I enjoyed learning about this stuff, like the use and abuse of drugs and pharmacy and these things. But then when I like, when you look ahead and I thought about the occupation itself, when you get out of college, I'm like, I'm at a Walgreens, like counting pills and handing, you know, like, you know what I mean? That sounds like a prison sentence, not a, you know, a, a job or an occupation. So as I look ahead, I'm like, what am I doing here? You know, the reality is I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't have a path. So for me, um, at that time, I quit college and I entered a trade school um, where I could be in and out in less than a year, you know, and I could start working, you know, enter the workforce, making money, kind of adulting. At the time, I was eager to become an adult now with all that hindsight, right? Like I wish I had milked and (laughs) and delayed adulthood as long as possible, right? So kids, if you're in college, stay there six, seven years, right? Like don't be in a hurry to get out. Uh, But I I went through a trade school for, it would be very similar, like being an electrician, you know, within the like telecom world. Um, And then I started traveling. So I grew up in Montana and as beautiful and as amazing as Montana is, like when people think of it, right? Like as a a young man kind of wanting to conquer the world, there's not a ton of opportunity like job wise, right? It's very rural. So for me, it was like, 
getting out, leaving the state, you know what I mean? Like just like getting out of the state, we hadn't left the state much. So for me, I wanted to get out of, of small rural Montana and go see, you know, Washington, California, you know, like Texas, like I wanted to get out and see places, much bigger places that were different from where I grew up. So that was kind of what I started doing was started traveling the West, Western States as a contractor and working in these larger cities, you know. Where did you fall into side hustles? And when, when did you realize like that there's some money that could be made here outside of my actual job? Well, the passion like was, or the interest was always there, but yeah. the, the execution, right, is what I lacked. So very similar to how people would go to like a seminar and, and feel, feel that motivation and raw, raw feeling and then leave it like that. It doesn't mean you're educated. It just means you're hyped, right? Yeah, yeah. That was kind of me. I was, I was interested in real estate. And I, I started reading like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and some of these like very well-known or traditional books. But the problem was I didn't really study them, right? And I didn't execute them on like they're fantastic books and have amazing concepts, but I used them as more like they got me hyped up. And then I ran out there really naively as a young 20-something, right, with a, a high income and, and pretty good credit score and bought up as much property as I could, not knowing anything, right, about like... Uh, how to vet the properties and what's a good property and, and what, where are we at in the market? You know, so um, it looked like a good, strong start in the like mid, like 2004, 2005. And then, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners can tell where the story's going, right? Like what happened in 2007? I think you're going to end up in 2008 here. Yeah. Well, what happened in 2008-ish is even billionaires, right? Very intelligent guys lost 40, 50% of their net worth, right? Yeah, sure. Due to the economy. So, so that's kind of what happened to me. I got bit um, early on with foreclosures and, you know, losing houses. And and so I started really young, kind of trying to be that entrepreneur on the, on the side, like with houses and house investing. But due to just like not seeing the, the you know, the recession coming and then also just being young and naive, right? And not really studying things, just diving in. Um, I, I got hit pretty hard. Um, so that was like my first attempt at kind of being an entrepreneur side hustle and it didn't end well. Right. So then we spent the next uh, five, six years kind of licking my wounds and recovering and just getting up, going to work uh, and that same routine and kind of going, what's next. And that's where, you know, fast forward um, five, six years, I, I was still had that itch. And at this time, speaking of side hustles, I mean, that's why people say side hustle. Like we've done everything. And I say we like my wife and I. So we, you know, we, we've been on this journey together and we've done all these side hustles. So we like we flipped cars, we flipped campers, we mystery shopped, right? At one that probably at our lowest point, right? <laughs> like looking back, we're doing a mystery shop at like Payless shoe store, right? Not even like a, a Nike, right? Or a pool kicks, like Payless, right? So we're in the middle of a mystery shop and it's like, what are we doing? But we're just trying to make outside money and trying to do something outside of work. And then fortunately, I stumbled across like land flipping as a side hustle or as kind of land as an asset class. And that's really when we, you know, we grabbed that and, and it didn't have the barriers to entry like house investing did or multifamily, single family or multifamily where you got to have gobs of money for, you know, 20% down payments on three, $400,000 houses, you could buy cheap property at auctions. And it just had a really low barrier to entries. And I yeah. kind of still had PTSD from the, or the crash of housing. So I felt like starting small with something cheap, where I wasn't betting the farm would be like a safe way to, to, 
to try the side hustle again within real estate, you know. But I've heard a lot of people doing those type of you know side hustles of flipping that you're talking about, flipping a car or a camper, uh, flipping couches. That's a big thing on Craigslist yeah. or offer up. The thing about things like that is you know, everybody needs a car, everybody needs a couch. When you're flipping land, who are you selling it to? Yeah, well, now it's a lot different than when we started. When we started, it was like we would buy off of tax online tax auctions. So whenever somebody doesn't pay their property taxes for enough years, three to five years, um, and not all states are the same, but in a lot of states, you know, they they want to they want to collect those property taxes, obviously, right? So they want to sure. bring it back in the tax roll. So they have auctions and they have online auctions that it's not like the 80s and 90s where you need to go stand at the courthouse steps, right? And hold up your, like, you know, <laughs> calling your paddle and, and, and um, like a uh, bid, like you can just online and, and put your max bid and it's very similar to eBay, right? So that was our first flips. We're like buying a property for $500 um, and then selling it for 2,500. So this was all like we would buy on an auction and then we'd resell on eBay for twenty five hundred, and then we bought one for like six hundred and sold for five thousand. You can sell land on eBay. You sell land on eBay. I know wow. it's insane. I've, only, it's, it's like I've seen category. people selling land on the moon on eBay, but I didn't like, know you. <laughs> yeah, know you no, it's, it's incredible. And even for us, although like you know, at the time, like uh, it, it's not change your life money. You know, two thousand dollars, five thousand dollars. Not at the same time, like. Um, the amount of man hours that went into it, you know, like five or 10 hours and we're yeah. making two grand or five grand. That, that's pretty good hourly rate. And it piqued my interest of like, okay, what if I did this 20, 40 or 50 times a year? You know what I mean? Sure. Like this could be something. So although what we do now is a whole lot different, we, we buy higher value properties and we have agents resell them, you know, a lot more traditional. So we target off-market vacant land. So people who don't have their home or their land currently listed, right? So it's off-market. They're not looking to sell. We target all of these people. Similar to like if you've ever got a postcard, like we buy ugly houses or, you know, Zillow, Open Door, OfferPad, yeah, all yeah. those companies. Like we do that for land. That's all we do. And we try to buy it way under market value. Um, a very, very small percentage of people respond to our campaigns. And then very few accept our low ball offers, right? Which are 25 to 50%, you know. But they're just looking right. to get some money in their pocket. Yeah, they're, they're typically, it's people that have owned for 10 or 20 years. Maybe they bought it and they're like, someday we'll build a cabin or someday we'll retire here. Yeah. And they just never got around to doing what they thought. You know what I mean? With it, yeah. or they got older and now they're just paying property taxes. So you're kind of identifying like don't wanters. It's not like a house where people grew up in it. They've got the kids' measurements and heights on the door jam. It's like they probably live in a different state. It's absentee owned vacant land, right? Yeah, so they're yeah. very like they're not emotionally attached to it like a house. So that's why for us there is opportunity, right? And um yeah, this yeah, that's, that's kind of in a nutshell, like what we do or how we found land and what we're we're currently doing. And we just we just scaled it, right? Like we started small. And I didn't draw a salary because I, there was all that overlap of working a job. So we just kept pushing profits back in and snowballing it. You know, we started with like honestly $4,500 like of our own money. And we just snowballed that over the years. And after about between two and three years, uh, we were bringing in enough consistently monthly that it exceeded my salary. Wow. So at that point, we were able to kind of exit and, and go full time. It's it. no longer a side hustle. It's the full hustle. Yeah. yeah. 
it seems like the barrier of entry is is pretty low, which is, you know, that I think that's what's appealing to, you know, people that are listening to this because real estate, I think that everybody knows you can make some money in real estate, but you know, you've got to put a lot of money down to get those places. With this, the barrier of entry is pretty low. Yeah, it's the thing is it's it's really like the it's the boring less sexy, like underlooked asset class, right? So like you turn on HGTV, you're watching flipping this house, people are yeah. picking out cabinets, they're remodeling homes, right? Yeah, that, that resonates with people. They get excited about that. Like, yeah. but like, could you imagine like turn on your TV and like, people are like, okay, so here's this dirt, right? Like, we've got a little <laughs> hill over here. Like, here's where the driveway will be. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's not an attractive asset class. So because of that, it's kind of overlooked or dismissed. Mm. And then the reality is it's it's a little more challenging to appraise or value because the um, the assessed, like county assessed tax values, there's not always a correlation with market value. So it's not like houses where there's 10 different estimates or 10 different places you can see what a house is worth. Or yeah. price worth. So that's where the opportunity comes in is it's harder to value. And everybody's occupied with houses and house investing. So land's just kind of this like blue ocean, right? Over here that people aren't interested in because there's all this stigma from decades ago of like land is just this thing that sits and doesn't make money, right? But the reality mm-hmm. is with the internet, you know, with the internet and visibility and reach now, um, it's not the same as it was, I think, in the 80s of like owning land. You know, it's just like any, it could be flipped, just like you said, like a couch or like anything. Well, but land shows up on Zillow, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. And there's a number of platforms people don't realize dedicated just to land. Like there's landsofamerica.com, landwatch.com, right? Like in Zillow, you can search land only. So yeah, I mean, these are Zillow, right? That's a huge platform, huge reach. So it's it's just a niche that people don't realize, you know, yeah. or aren't aware of. So we were fortunate to come across it. And then, then when we did it, it was just like, okay, how can we like, make this a system, right? How can we have like a re- repeatable, predictable revenue where this isn't like a one-off success? Yeah. And then as we started like going after bigger deals, what we realized is that most people were doing this, focusing on the small, cheap stuff. Because all of like the courses and gurus and like all the things being taught or shared, like many courses about this, we're, we're targeting like cheap, small parcels. And after we started doing a high number of those, we realized like either like we kind of like hit our limit of how many we could handle transaction wise. So my wife and I um, were like, okay, to make more money, we either had to do more transactions or bigger transactions, yeah. right? So as we we decided to start going after bigger transactions, now that we had more capital to work with, we realized that very few of these people were getting the same marketing that are, are the lower value properties we're getting. So, you know what I mean? Was, there was yeah. surprisingly, there was less competition at the higher values. And I assume, cause one, like the courses weren't steering people there. And two, a lot of people didn't have the capital, right? To like to buy a $200,000 property for a hundred thousand, right? You'd need a sure. hundred thousand cash, right? Yeah. So that's the other reason that prevented it. So a lot of people, so yeah, as, as we just kind of like, like anybody does with anything, like, you have like these growing pains, right? And these scaling points. So you solve your own problems. And then eventually, as we were doing this, I was in communities, I was in forums. So I would like, I would see beginners start up and they would post these beginner questions. And then I would answer them and I would help them. And then they would say, hey, could I jump on a call with you? And I just started helping people. And then eventually they would, you know, they would 
we would help them like execute on marketing and then they'd get a deal and then they'd be like, hey, well, this is awesome. You know, I found this $120,000 property for 50,000 and I'm like, fantastic, you know? Yeah. And then they're like, well, I don't have 50,000. <laughs> like, would, would you be willing to partner with me on it? And then we'll split profits. And it kind of like organically went from just being something I was doing, like paying it forward, helping people to where, you know, fast forward three, four years now, and we have like an education training company. And then we co-founded and have a partner in this business where we fund other students and people's deals, right? Because that's kind of the limiting thing when people are starting a side hustle is capital, right? Sure. You're really like hamstrung by how much of your own money you have to work with, just like we were. And it took us years to kind of crack that nut and find outside money. Um, so now that, that's something we do where we'll train people up. And then if they want a partner, we'll partner. If they got a rich uncle. Hey, you know, handle everything yourself, right? And just use our tactics. But that's kind of, kind of where we're at today with it. But it's fast forward. It's a decade, right? Like nine or 10 years into this. Yeah. So it's been a long journey. But 10 years ago, I was just a guy you know, driving to work, listening to podcasts, you know, and like just really like just feeling like uh, unfulfilled and unhappy and knowing I had a lot of potential, but like not knowing how to, you know what I mean? Not knowing an avenue to take or what to do to escape that job. Because I was like, I'm in my mid 30s. At this point, and I'm like, man, I'm gonna like maybe there's nothing special about me. Maybe I'm gonna have the same path as everybody else, where it's like nine to five till I'm 65, right? Yeah. So I, I empathize with that when I talk to people now because I can remember being there. I very much remember being there, you know, like like going, what's next, or how do I get out of this, or like, you know what I mean? I'm not passionate about this. Like, yeah, this isn't in alignment with who I am, right, as a person or as an entrepreneur or my potential. So. That's really where I resonate with people. It's not just land. And, land's just like the asset class or the avenue we took. Yeah. Although I'm a land evangelist and I'm a land fanatic, it's more about like freeing people of their jobs or helping people achieve potential so that they can kind of live life on their terms. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. not be like, that's it's just soul crushing to have to like, you get off work on Friday, by Saturday, you're dreading Monday. Monday comes, right? Like, um, ironically like well not ironically but like i actually learned this this year that the most heart attacks occur on mondays and monday mornings right and so it's, it's so interesting right like everybody dreads mondays dreads meetings and, and there's like evidence to support and show that that like it literally raises people's like heart rate right and blood pressure like mondays do that so i i like i i'm just very passionate about like helping people try to find something outside of work, like find a community, find a group of like-minded entrepreneurs that allow them to kind of scratch that itch. And then I also realized there's sometimes there's a need for a lot of overlap, you know, and that I, I try to not tell people like burn the ships, quit your job, start this. It's very yeah, much yeah. sometimes unless you have a lot of means, a lot of capital, there has to be overlap, right? But freeing people of jobs is like, that's my calling. That's my mission is like, how can I help people that, that, if you're not curing cancer and you don't absolutely love what you're doing, if we're all honest with ourselves, a lot of us would, would if, if we won the lottery, right, we're not going to get up and go to work the next day. You know what I mean? Because we're not passionate about what we're doing. So for someone who is in that, you know, proverbial rat race, they're working the nine to five until they're 65. What can they do right now to just maybe start taking those steps towards what you're talking about? 
Yeah, well, I have like, so what I did, I created a free challenge because when I started, everything was paid, right? Like everything was, if I had questions or I emailed somebody like, you got to buy the course, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, I I thought if I ever get in a position of educating, um, I want to give people like without, because it took me several months, Chris, of like Googling and watching YouTube videos, like trying to get familiar with land. And then also like, I was very skeptical and needed proof of concept, right? So I'm, it took me a long time, almost like a year of analysis paralysis of getting started. So I'm like, okay, if when I, if I ever do this education thing, like I want to give somebody a free, like kind of like an intro class. So I have, if you go to travisking.com, I have a free challenge. That's a seven day, hundred percent free challenge. And it's kind of like through seven days, um, each session is like anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour where you're really getting oriented with the concept and the idea. And over the course of seven days, you have a feel for me. And you're also familiar with land without having to, you know, get out your your wallet, right? And, and buy a course or anything. So that's probably the best like starting point, you know, for people. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I love that your last name is King and you're like, you're the king of land flipping, right? I'm the, yeah, the land, right? That land guy or the land guy. Right? You know, you're the yeah. land flipping king. It's your last well, name. Man, when I going back, like to tie in like so much of what you do and your guests and wrestling, like I'm like, what well, goes back to being a kid, right? Like I never wanted sure. to be the land guy, right? It was like when I was a kid, um, Man, I thought I was going to be a professional kickball player or a professional dodgeball player. But once I realized about, you know, fourth, fifth grade that you can't go pro, (laughs) right? It became this long winding journey of like, well, okay, maybe I'll be in the MLB or NBA. And then turns out, you know, the NBA's not hurting for five foot 10 slow white guys, right? So the NBA thing didn't work out. Um, So that I think that's like the message to people, like some people have a, they know exactly what they want to be, right? Some people do. I didn't have that. And that was for me why it was such a long winding road. I just knew that 
that the path everybody else was taking didn't feel like it was for me. And it, and I kept having this nagging desire yeah. to do something outside of my job. Right. But I never had that. Like, you know, I want to be a, a doctor when I grow up or a veterinarian or whatever. Right. Like um, I might've had ideas of being things, but it was like, I wasn't really willing to lay out a path and put it in the work. You know what I'm yeah. saying? What, what you're really talking about here is arbitrage. And I think that that's exciting, right? Like buying the baseball card for a dollar, finding out it's worth $10, buying the concert tickets for face value at a hundred, knowing you can resell them for 500 and doing this at scale. Well, you know, what's cool right now. Here's what's really funny. So I've got three boys, right? And that's a big part of this is not just like having a side hustle, but building a lifestyle business, you know? So for, from the beginning, the goal was like, as I was traveling and having to go out of town for work, it was like, I don't want to fit family in around my job, right? It's like, mm -hmm. if I could design the perfect company or job or business, it would be like, it would fit in around my family, right? Around oh, yeah. my marriage and around my my kids. And so that was a big part of like the urgency of making something work was like, when I started to go out of town, you know, several years ago, and it was like, I would miss my wife. I would miss my boys. At the time we had two, we wanted to have another. And it was just like, I felt like I was leaving my wife alone, right? Like doing all the heavy lifting and I, I missed them all. And it was just like, it was this job that was, I felt like keeping me from that, right? So like through arbitrage, you're right, the arbitrage of land flipping, it can be arbitrage with anything. The cool thing is fast forward to today and this week, my boys, so I've got a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old and an eight-year-old, okay? My boys, the older two, they've been buying this energy drink prime, right? They've been buying prime by the yeah, case. Logan Paul's energy drink. Logan Paul's energy drink. They've been buying it for a buck eighty-nine a bottle by the case and taking it to school and selling it for five to seven dollars a bottle. Okay. So like this is like on their own, right? It's really cool to see them like, you know, kind of be little entrepreneurs and, yeah. and that arbitrage buy by the case, sell by the bottle, right? So it's 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 really cool to see them like load up their backpacks before school to go to go push their prime right product. So it it just shows though like you the asset class or the item or, or the arbitrage, whatever you're doing, it yeah. doesn't really matter as long as it's legal, right? Like it doesn't matter, but it, it's just like that desire, you know, of, of recognizing that opportunity and then capitalizing on it. You know, yeah. um, I it think can it's be done at any age, right? And it's difficult because people always hear this advice of like, oh, just follow your passion. Just do what you're passionate about. And what's hard about that is not everybody knows what they're passionate about. Yeah. What do you say to somebody who's trying to find their passion? I say like, so for me, when I was in second grade, it was WWE. That was my passion. I love right? it. So Who like, were your guys? I, I, well, my guy was Hulk Hogan. And then it was the ultimate warrior, right? It was, it. you know. Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, and my first playground like scrap came from WWE, right? So like I'm on the playground and I'm talking with my buddy and we're arguing kind of about like, he's like, yeah, the Ultimate Warrior is going to like be way better than Hulk Hogan, right? This is like second grade or something. And I'm like, no way, Hogan's, Hogan's like a legend. And then this other kid comes over and he's like, you guys know that wrestling's fake, right? And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? But now looking back, he had all these older brothers, you know what I mean? So like, sure. he's like, yeah, that's all like fake. He's like, do you really think the refs are like that dumb or blind? 
And we're both like, like, I mean, this ended up in being like a scrap, like, dude, like, you know, wash your mouth out. Like, how dare you say that? Right. Like this, this is blasphemy. Right. So I, at, at second grade, I wanted to be a, you know, probably WWE wrestler. I come home and talk to my mom and grandma who we watch wrestling together. And I'm like, is wrestling fake? Right. And then they're like, and I'm like, I just felt crushed. Right. So I'm like, there go my dream. Well, I don't want to be a WWE anymore. Right. If it's like scripted. And like I said, fast forward, then it was MLB then it was NBA. So like, I didn't have anything that for me, I was passionate, you know what I mean? About. So I think you can't force something. Some you can't force something. What I realized later that I was passionate about was freedom like in like autonomy meaning like yeah. you know like time autonomy and money like i wanted to have enough disposable money to do anything i want at any time like with with my family right i want right. to take the kids to an nba game to the pro bowl like you know what i mean like i just want to be able to take them to anything that sounds like a great idea and not have to operate from that cost mentality like so i think like financial freedom is one piece and then time freedom like i want to be time rich for me, that's what it started with was like more like, not like I want to make all this money. It was like, I want to be time rich. You know what I mean? I want to be able to to take my kids and see every one of their baseball games, their basketball games. I don't want to miss this stuff. I want to be present and I want to be a participant in this whole parenthood thing, right? Yeah. Not like just a spectator who you hear from all these other people after their kids are raised. They're like, oh, I wish, you know, I wish I had been there, but I was traveling. So I was, you know do a lot of introspection and kind of took self inventory and realized like, Hey, this, there's some urgency here. I need to change things so that I can be present. Um, but, but I never had a passion. It wasn't even like when I found land is like, Oh, I'm passionate about this. It's more like, this is the asset class or the Avenue that can help me accomplish time freedom right. and financial. Well, freedom. You saw an opportunity that I can do the things I care about, right? Like our, like my own purpose, right? Like those things. So sometimes the they do what you love and the money will follow. Like I feel like maybe the second business can be what you love, but let's get the financial freedom part taken care of first. Mm. You know what I mean? Let's do something that profits enough that you have the flexibility to have all that time freedom. You know, so I, I can't yeah. tell somebody how to find their passion because for me, I can't even say although I'm passionate about it now because it changed our life land it's not that i'm in love with land right i just the results that it bring in the life it allows us to live then all the students and all the people we've helped with it's helped us accomplish that and then people yeah. can really do with that that financial freedom that money and that time they can do what they're passionate about um, yeah. so as somebody who never had that thing they were passionate about um i could say yeah i don't don't force it don't you know don't think you have to choose something um but if you feel unfulfilled Man, that's probably like inner potential trying to like manifest itself, right? Yeah. Somehow it doesn't know how. Yeah. Right? It doesn't know how, but it's there, right? So you don't have, but you, you got to pick something that's going to help you achieve your goals, right? But, but uh, yeah. yeah, I was that kid who never had that. I still, there's kids I look back and I can remember sitting in the circle in second grade and, and, you know, uh, the kid's like, I want to be a veterinarian. I want to be a doctor. And I look now and some of those kids, they're literally like veterinarians and doctors. Wow. They knew, right. From second grade. I didn't have that. Right. Like I said, yeah. I'm like, I want to be Hulk Hogan or I want to be like Jose Canseco. You know? so, <laughs> um, 
Jose Canseco. I was a, I was a big Oakland A's fan back then. Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire, the Bash Brothers. The Bash Brothers, yeah. Oh, God. So, Travis, what was your best land flip and what was your worst one? And what's the biggest lesson you took of the two? Yeah, one of our, our worst ones was surprising. Like, it had paved road access, looked like a great, you know, great... Um, property right off the paved road um paved road in a meadow like looked beautiful what state right? was this, this in this was early on there was cows like pastured on it when we looked at it and but i was like earlier and, and kind of didn't know all my due diligence to do what i didn't realize is it was in a flood zone and what right? state was so, this in um this is in this was in yavapai county in arizona the state of okay. arizona northern northern arizona yavapai county and it was in a flood zone and I didn't know it was in a flood zone because I didn't know to look for flood zones. Right. So I fortunately we just bought it so stupid cheap that we were able to bail on it. I think we made a hundred dollars or something. Right. Like, so we didn't lose money on it, but yeah. it sat for, for like nine months and I'd have people go out there and they're like, it's covered in water. Right. And then they would text me a picture. And then I realized what happened it was in a flood zone right mm. but i didn't know because i was just getting started and i didn't have the education that told me to look at there's softwares you can use now that we use to to check if it's in wetlands or a flood zone right so like those are some of the kind of landmines or gotchas you know that can happen yeah. and then like some of the the better or best deals um subdividing i would say like we we buy properties and then we don't put in like roads or sidewalks or power we don't develop like we literally just split it up right so it's not unheard of like one of the deals we just partnered with the student on we we it was worth 108 we partnered with him he bought it for 50 we put up the capital bought it for 50 and then we subdivide it into five it was a 14 acre property we subdivide it into five mm. just by that act of subdividing or splitting parcels um, it forces appreciation, like it literally adds value, you know, because um, a smaller size lot is worth more per square foot or per acre than a larger lot. Mm. So we added $122,000 of appreciation with a $12,000 subdivide. We paid a surveyor, right? They go out there, they survey it. Like we paid a land consultant that filed the paperwork. So we didn't do much other than draw some lines on the map of how we wanted it, Right. And we partnered with a student on this and we forced 122,000 of appreciation. And it was a situation, it was already buy for 50, it was already worth 108. But then it was worth 230 after we subdivided it, wow. right? So it was buy for 50, put 12 grand into it, then it was worth 230. So those type of deals like are very realistic, you know, um, like our student, he had the money, but he's like, didn't want to tie up his money. So he said, hey, let's partner yeah. on this, right? So we do those. And then something that's really exciting that I like to do, we love to do like lakeside lot flips. We like to find like waterfront properties like in Florida, right? And some, you know, they just make for great drone videos and pictures and, you know, so waterfront flips are pretty consistent. We could have like six figures per flip. Wow. Flipping a, um, a waterfront property by bringing in, you know, some cleaning up the lot a little bit, having it cleared, getting drone videos, you know, some great pictures. Um and yeah, so those are probably the, there's guys that do this, like with massive Texas ranches. Like, so there's arbitrage up to the, you could do this at the two or $3 million level. We don't, right. Cause we're operating within our own capital. Mm -hmm. And because I don't like risk, right. So 
So we, but the reality is the arbitrage is available at, you know, $100, $1,000 lots up to two or $3 million properties, depending what your capital or means are, your your comfort with risk, right? Um, right. So if someone yeah. wants to learn more about this, is travisking.com the best place to go check this out? Yeah, travisking.com is a great place to go. It's kind of the hub from there. They can check out like our free challenge or a course that we have. We have an informational webinar, um, you know, that's probably the best spot. I think what's so exciting about this is whether it's land flipping or it's couch cars, whatever, I think there's a lot of people that are excited about the idea of like, even if it's just like 50 bucks, a hundred bucks, like having that extra money on the side that's yours is exciting. That's what it started for us. It was kind of like Disneyland money. Like we, and the reality is sometimes your goals and your thinking is limited by your current means. So even Mm -hmm. like our goals early on, were very small because I was a small think, like, you know what I mean? I didn't have a lot of capital to think with, so to speak. Right. And now that you realize what's available, it's more about like, yeah, what, you know, what, what are your goals? Right. It's really like what somebody's goals are, but you can take it as far as you want and it can become a seven figure empire, or you could just go, okay, I just want to build like a second income on the side. That's the beauty of this niche is I think there's the flexibility to take it wherever you want. For us, it started with kind of like you're saying, like, hey, let's vacation money, right? And and then yeah. kind of that that side money. So, um, but yeah, you can really people can take it wherever they want. But it's a, I I believe it's kind of the holy grail, you know, of of side hustles. So I since I can't be, you know, um, I can't be that Sergeant Slaughter or Hulk Hogan. I can't be that wrestler, right? When I wanted to grow up, like I guess I'll settle for the land flipper. I don't I don't think it makes for as good of an intro you know song to the ring but, but I, I don't know. It, it's worked for us right the repo man was a character so maybe the land flipper could be a character yeah like like a character yeah i still remember actually when i was in when i was 12 my dad took me to a a wrestling match and it was this was like 90 i want to say 92 okay and my dad took me to sergeant slaughter sergeant slaughter was there and, and hacksaw wow. jim duggan you know yeah. and I still remember like meeting him as like a 12 year old kid, like this monster of a man, you know, um, these guys you'd watch on TV. So yeah, I've always enjoyed that. So I thought it was so cool with your show and your guests and stuff, right? Like there's just, um, it's just really neat. Everybody has their own story, right? Yeah. Some people you feel more ordinary than extraordinary, but at the same time, like, um, there's just a different path for, for everybody. So it's kind of cool when they all like, um, converge, right? And we're all able to sync up and, and share our share our own paths. And Travis, I think that your story is really interesting. And what you're doing now is it's, it's incredible. So congratulations on everything that you've built here. And it's been, a, it's been a great conversation. And look, I end every conversation talking about gratitude because that's such an important part of my life. So what are three things in your life, Travis, that you're grateful for right now? You know, I grateful one for my my wife, my marriage. So, you know, we've it's Valentine's Day, right? Today when when we're recording this, you know, and we're going on, you know, 17 years here, right? And and so I'm I'm grateful for my marriage, my relationship, but also so we've uh my wife's helped me from the start with our businesses, right? So it, it brings another level of like um just to the relationship, you know, of the trust you place in each other, the dependency you place in each other of running a business or companies together, right? It obviously like introduces new challenges, right? 
Um, so I, I just have a different level of respect for my my wife than just our marriage because we're running our business together, right? And then all I've put on her and how she's risen kind of to the the challenge and and keeps me keeps me on point and on track, right? So I think one marriage and then two like family, like the kids, just absolute blessing, you know, for me to to kind of go from like probably young, egotistical, you know, vain 20 something to like getting married and having kids where it really like you kind of become the frame instead of the picture. Mm. And it's a role I'm super comfortable. And I just love like, you know, my boys and our kids. And it's just so exciting to now like to, to go to their sporting events and to, to just see them grow up and, you know, their own character develop and these things. So I'm super blessed and grateful that they're one, they're, they're healthy. And that two, just that they're, they're thriving and they're becoming their own people. Right. And they're, they have their own ambitions. Right. And they're going out, like we, we talked about, they're hustling too. Right. So it, it's really good to um, just to be in this place. Right. Cause I never like life rewind 20 years or whatever, you know, I'm just, just thrilled to be where we're at in life. But it's again, it's like a life we've architected and built, right? So I'm incredibly grateful, but it wasn't by accident, you know, like the companies we have and the time we have to be with the kids and the family was from that, the early days of pain, right? Of having to build something that would allow us to do that. So yeah, definitely the, my wife, the kids. And then last thing is, I think the, the cool thing is, is I help people. Um, I started out training and just helping people very organic one by one. We didn't build a website. We didn't try to sell any courses. I just helped people. And as I would get people results, that would lead to referrals, right? And then they would lead to joint venturing and partnering. And it very organically over the last two or three years, like has built, you know what I mean? It's really grown with no paid ads, nothing right to this point. Um, everything has been organic, you know, and so we have like this whole community of people now that are, you know, that are land and land investors and entrepreneurs that it all just started out just stay, you know, staying authentic and not, you know, not saying, okay, I'm going to launch a course or go on stage or be a guru. It's like, I'm just going to be me and we're going to help people one at a time. And I've done over a thousand one-on-one Zoom calls in the last two years, like, fired up the computer and one-on-one like this, right? Like help people. Yeah, It's really fun. I feel really blessed and I'm really thankful for the community that we've built because as I help people one-on-one, one at a time, the community over the years has become a byproduct, like a positive byproduct of that. Not something I thought of developing or building a community, just helping enough people, right? With time, they'd refer others. So I'm really thankful for that right now too, because instead of just feeling like you're you're selling courses or selling education, like you're actually building relationships and people stick around and are part of your community, you know, instead of just buying a course and, and you never hear from them. Right. Yeah. So yeah, community is probably the last thing. And that's this year, what we're focusing on is, is helping, you know, helping people within the community. I love that. Three great things. And if people want to find out more, like we said, it's travisking.com and Travis, thank you so much. Absolutely. I appreciate you, Chris. Um, what a blast, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Of course, thank you to Travis King as well for being with us. Go check out his website, travisking.com. Get on that side hustle. Then you can make that side hustle the hustle hustle. I know you've got it in you. Ralph Waldo Emerson always has such amazing words. I think I've shared more quotes from him than anybody else on the podcast. 
And here's another one for you. You cannot do kindness too soon, for you never know how soon it will be too late. Be great. Be grateful. We will see you on the next one for some more insight. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.